Hi besties and welcome to the second episode of the Heartful Podcast. First of all, um, I would like to thank all of you from the bottom of my heart for all of your kind words on my first episode, which got published, I think on Friday, today is Monday, so not that long ago. And honestly, I was just very surprised, maybe not surprised, but just, just very pleasantly surprised, I would say, about the receipt of the podcast. And even though, like, it, you know, I cannot compare it to my YouTube channel because I have a much larger audience there, but there is something so much more special in people listening to, like, a 40-minute episode of you just talking or, like, them saying they listen to you on a walk or on the tube. I don't know, it's just, like, very... I there's something about podcasts that is just, like, you cannot co really compare it to anything else. And, um, yeah, my Instagram has been going strong. We are almost at, like, 300 followers, I think. So um, thanks for that as well. And I already posted so much more information there about the next episode. Actually, well, the one I'm recording right now. Um, I asked you guys a question on, like, your opinion on the subject that I'm going to be talking about. But I'll move on to that later while we... Um, go through the topic I'll just it'll be the end segment but yeah um so yeah thanks again for um all the very kind words um of encouragement um obviously constructive criticism is also um welcomed I know I was talking really really fast on that one but I think it's not just that one I think I am just a fast talker in general um my mom always used to say me, tell me that. Um, um, but yeah, well, it is what it is. I guess you can slow it down or speed it up on Spotify if you listen there. Um, but yeah, moving on to, um, I wanted to introduce a little segment. Well, just a, a part of the podcast where at the beginning, I just want to like quickly update you on what's been recently happening in my life. So um, obviously done with exams, like, I don't know, maybe a month ago. No, maybe... Well, yeah, like three weeks ago, I, I've been done with exams for a while now. Um, still enjoying the sun. The weather in London has been just, just gorgeous, like 22, 24 degrees. Um, so it's been very, very fun. And like, I literally cannot bear to be locked inside. Well, not locked, but like, I, even now it's like the morning and the sun is out. And I really want to record this podcast, but I'm already like thinking what, which park am I going to go to to read my book afterwards? You know what I mean? Like... It's just like the summer vibe. We want to be out all the time and never come back home. <laughs> you know, when it's like when you're a child and you just didn't really want to go back home in the evenings and like it was still like 9 p.m. and it was still light outside. I don't know. It's just like very good memories. Um, so yeah, I'm still going out a lot, um, exploring London. Maybe not going out as much as I did when lockdown um, was over because it was just literally bars all the time and like dinners. Now I've, you know, I've stopped myself from doing that all the time because um, it's expensive. But yeah, besides that, um, I took a trip, a two day trip, actually, to Brighton and Seven Sisters and Eastburn. Well, it was mostly like Brighton oriented. But then so we stayed over at Brighton. I went with my friend Dimitra and the next day we went to Seven Sisters, which is uh, like those white cliffs um, on the seaside. And we had to climb there for like three hours. It was so exhausting, but I really, really enjoy like hiking. And honestly, the trip was so nice because it was, it wasn't, it, it was an active trip, don't get me wrong, but it was a nice um, detox from London and like just seeing other places in the UK. Like it was my first trip, even it was small. It was like my first trip in the UK besides London. So that was fun. Felt very independent and yeah, it was just like fun to take the train and see new places, eat at new restaurants. I ate, I ate at this very, very nice um, vegan Italian restaurant called Purezza. I think they have a, a branch in London as well, but okay, I'm <laughs> getting ahead of myself. Um, another trip coming up tomorrow, actually. Yeah, today is Monday, so I'm going on Tuesday evening. We have a flight to Edinburgh, actually. Um, me and two of my friends, Bay and Doha, I'm gonna be living with them next year. We are going on like a little trip well, a little trip, I don't know, it's, we're taking a plane because it was cheaper than taking um, a train, did I say it right? Yeah, we're taking a plane because it was cheaper than a train, um, and yeah, I'm really excited for it, like, I feel like, don't get me wrong, like, I feel like I'm very excited for the trip itself, um, but it's, there could be a better timing for it, I feel like now it's just very, very hectic with everything, um, we actually found an apartment, like, 
two weeks maybe like over a week ago um and from the day we looked at the apartment till the day we actually like paid the deposit and everything it was like 10 days apart so you know um everything moves really quickly a lot of money leaving my account um a lot of contracts to sign and documents and adult stuff i don't really know um and it was very stressy like it, i was it was an intense 10 days for me like I had it on the back of my head like you know it's it's fun to have a place find a place and it's it's actually cheap um for like the standards and the location and all it's very cheap I would say but still <laughs> it's a big deal right um so yeah but but I'm excited to move in on to my own place so yeah I'm moving out of my student accommodation pretty soon like in oh it's it's 7th of June and I'm moving out on like in 10 days basically that's crazy but um yeah let's let's not get ahead of ourselves um yeah I, I i just wanted to say that like life is kind of overwhelming right now um in a good way though in a good way like um i know that i'm saying that it's overwhelming right now but when i go back home i will be probably a bit underwhelmed you know like the, there's no middle ground for me it's either like i'm in london and everything's happening at happening at once or I'm in my city where like I I appreciate it for what it is and it's much more like a slower lifestyle and I sometimes crave it but it is kind of underwhelming in terms of like oh what you know what you can do with friends how many new people you can meet like it it has its boundaries and I guess that's why I wanted to study at London as well but um yeah th th that's pretty much it um Positive but overwhelmed, if I had to describe it in two words. Let's smoothly move on to today's topic. I wanted to make an episode on it for like a long time, but then I read a book um, that made me rethink that subject in so many ways. Um, <clears throat> but I was, as I was reading the book, like I just have had so many opinions flooding me, literally flooding me. And I remember I was reading the book on the tube and just taking pictures of quotes I wanted to include in the podcast even before I filmed the first episode of the podcast. Like, I just knew, you know, I just have so many thoughts. <laughs> I always have opinions to share for some reason. Um, but I guess I'm using it... Wait, let me open a window. I'm using, it, I'm using it in a constructive way. So basically, the subject or topic of today's podcast is gonna be beauty myth or beauty standards in general. Um... And the book I was like mentioning three times um, is called The Beauty Myth, How Images of Beauty Are Used Against Women by Naomi Wolf. It's a very short one, it's literally like a hundred pages, um, but it's very fact, um, packed, <laughs> dense. Not in a bad way, don't get me wrong, like it was not boring, it's just a lot of information, a lot of references, um, but I think it's, it's a very worthwhile read and I think if you listen to this episode, um, you will get the gist of it and like understand why I am hyping it up so much but here's a fun fact before I move on to the discussion I as I googled Naomi Wolf right because I wanted to find out some information I read like um an article said that said um beauty myth author Naomi Wolf suspended from Twitter after sharing vaccine disinformation so I was like girl <laughs> you have some good opinions on feminism and um beauty images but like you were a conspiracy theorist literally but anyways, um, that is not really relevant to today's discussion. Let's try to put aside that knowledge. Um, I will try. I, I'm. I'm. I don't want to really summarize the book because you know you can read it by yourself and you're gonna get more information from it. But um, I, I pref I will have. I guess it will be like my own take on it. And you know, it's like the book was something a foundation for this episode, and like it gave me a lot of ideas. But the ideas itself, I thought. Of them on my own in a way like I think that kind of makes sense oh and there's another thing there's this YouTube video called the unrealistic toxic beauty standards are deadly by Ibrahim Kami on YouTube I really really recommend you guys check out this one if it's like you know if you don't feel like you have the time or energy to read the whole book you can watch it it's like a 20-30 minute video very interesting um, very well made as well so yeah these are my like two sources I'm gonna be basing my um, discussion on and a little disclaimer, this episode is not going to be really focused around like purely body image because I feel like a lot of it, like I've heard a lot of podcast episodes or discussions on body image in specific. So like body shape, I guess, weight, etc. Um, but more in like beauty, more but more like the concept of beauty and the standards of beauty in general and how they impact us and what role do they play in our society. Um, 
I think both um, topics are important to talk about, but I just decided to focus on the second one today. Um, and yeah, I'll also discuss how it's linked to sexism and patriarchy and how it basically helps to sustain male dominance in our world. So, you know, big, heavy topics. Um, and then our, uh, and then I'll move on to discussing how it's linked to marketing and capitalism and how beauty is basically a currency in our world, um, which isn't, which isn't news, but you know, whenever I realize it, it's kind of just, just makes me sad. Um, yeah, again, like I'm not an expert on any of these topics. Like I do not, I definitely do not have enough knowledge to consider myself one, but I don't think there's any harm in me sharing my opinions and stuff I've learned and researched. Um, so yeah, just take everything with not even a grain of salt, just, you know, I'm a 19 year old girl and may not know everything. I was so propelled to make a, make a whole podcast episode just on this topic because I feel like we very, like beauty standards or beauty image is very often discussed in media, but I feel like the focus is usually something else like comparison or like the beauty is subjective and we should all consider ourselves beautiful, like weight doesn't matter. Um, but which is obviously true, but like inherently it diverts the discussion from, um, what I want to focus on, which is like capitalism and patriarchy and, you know, a lot of these discussions make beauty standards a woman's problem. Like, oh, we should feel beautiful. Like we have the responsibility, like we shouldn't have those insecurities. We should feel beautiful. We should work on it. Well, I think it's, it's much more deeply rooted in how our society and our modern world basically functions and you know it's not as straightforward as some um glossy magazines can paint it to be like self-care is not gonna solve this huge ass issue that um is the beauty myth basically i wanted to start it with a quote i read well it's on teen vogue okay but i the quote really like summarizes what i want to what i will be talking about um very briefly and it's about beauty standards they are the tools of oppression that reinforce sexism, racism, colorism, classism, albaism, ageism, and gender norms. <laughs> very, very heavy one, right? I know. But it's just like, it made me think, um, it made me just realize how how much wrong there is with beauty standards. Um, and it made me want to talk about the subject even more. Okay, so let's begin by even asking ourselves the question of why the concept of beauty or beauty standard is inherently wrong. Because don't get me wrong, I don't think beauty period. Beauty in itself is wrong. Like beauty is a whole different subject that relates to art, um, aesthetics, and that's not something I'm going into right now. I'm talking about physical appearance, looks, wise, beauty standards. So first of all, it's very wrong because there is absolutely no such thing as universal beauty um, or a beauty standard. We all know that it changed throughout like centuries and women that were a bit more curvy were considered beautiful like centuries ago then it was skinny you know like we literally go through so many phases and obsessions and like trends i guess even with beauty um and across cultures as well like even in the 21st century every culture will have like a different a bit of a different standard of beauty i would say and someone who is considered beautiful in india or us will not be considered beautiful in norway or South Africa like you know what I mean like there's just there's no universal beauty standard um but I would say thanks to the lovely western colonialism we have adopted like a eurocentric beauty standard which has which we have like kind of imposed on every other culture so it the eurocentric beauty standard has become the global beauty standard which on itself is so wrong because it like it's it's based on one like culture or just you know i'm not saying europe is a whole culture but you know on one region's culture and the world expects everyone to look like you know a european beauty or whatever which is just insane i think we all have like a similar ish image of what like the beauty standards are i don't know if i disclaimed it in the beginning but like i'm gonna talk about women it's all about beauty standards for females um so the beauty standard for 21st century woman is so first of all she has to have an hourglass figure so basically very thin stomach um small waist big boobs white hips big butt she needs to look very youthful have a clear glowy skin 
needs to look, you know, beautiful. She's ne she needs to be a natural beauty, but she also needs to wear makeup. She has big, plumpy lips, high cheekbones, small and pointy nose, and silky hair. First of all, this description sounds like of a literal doll, like a plastic doll you would play as play with as a child. And second of all, it's just it gives you it literally gives you like a checklist of points you should have in order to become quote-unquote beautiful. And it lures you in with the promise that like, if you fulfill enough boxes, if you get close enough to the perfect beauty standard, you will gain acceptance and happiness and success. You know what's so weird is that like at the core itself, the beauty standard or the beauty myth doesn't really have much to do with beauty itself. Because as I said, first of all, beauty, universal beauty, not a thing, it literally does not exist. And second of all, everything has an underlying, like everything that is being sold to us or we're trying to be convinced and convinced to like has an underlying message. And the message that comes with being beautiful nowadays is if you're beautiful, if you're beautiful, you're going to be successful, happy and accepted and valued. And the other thing is, and it also works the other way. So like if you're successful, but you're not beautiful, then you will not be as equally regarded as someone who is considered more pretty than you and has the same success, if that makes sense. So by aspiring to be beautiful, women are essentially craving and aspiring to receive praise, attention, compliments, acceptance from others, love and just life satisfaction. Like literally, I feel like beauty nowadays promises us everything. Like it literally promises us the world. And the second thing that is very fucked up with modern beauty standards is that the type I just described to you, right, like the hourglass figure, shiny glossy hair, blah blah blah, clear skin, it is literally, it's not only rare to have like the body type I just described, right, like it's, it's quite unnatural, like someone who is like very slim usually will not naturally have big boobs um, and vice versa, so you know, first of all, it's not really a natural body type that like we come to this world with and Second of all, so much of our like looks and appearance will depend on factors that we can literally not control, like genetics, culture, metabolism, bone structure, like, you know, weight and stuff. It literally is not something that we can, you know, decide or choose from. Beauty standard is not only highly unattainable, but it's literally impossible to attain it. I mean, even look at people who we tend to consider as like, you know, like modern standards of beauty or like beauty models such as, I don't know, Kendall Jenner, Gigi Hadid, um, Angelina Jolie, people we consider to check like all of those boxes or like most of the boxes, they, they still literally get criticized for their looks and they get devalued based on their looks or diminished. And so it's literally a fight that you cannot win. And that's what's so sad about it that like we at the core itself, Every woman knows that, like, there is no such thing as perfection. Or, like, when we reach the perfect beauty standard, even if we could potentially do it, like, we're not gonna be happy in any way. Um, or, like, when we're not gonna suddenly reach the peak of life. Um, but we still cannot really escape the race in any sort of way because it's, it's just a, it's a ubiquitous thing. It's everywhere. Essentially, because we do not only impose beauty standards upon a woman, but we also, the society as itself, like even women and men both do it. Like we judge women based on their looks, based, based on those standards. It makes it inescapable, like the circle of it. And when you think about the beauty standard, it literally comes down to the pressure on women to conform physically to a certain cookie cutter template, which is so disgusting when I'm like saying this, like it literally is disgusting. Like we are all real humans and yet we're expected to fit a literal template of a person with several billion women all looking differently. We are expecting them to all look the same or we want them to all look the same, which is just so deeply saddening and disturbing. And what's even worse, I'm sorry, I'm just, no, I'm not going to be sorry. I'm not going to be sorry for being angry because I have the right to be angry. And that is what everything starts with. I feel like realization and then anger and then action. So I'm not going to apologize for being angry and for, you know, um, bashing the patriarchy because it it shouldn't be bashed. Like, it, there is no right reason for it to exist. But it works in such a smart way, like beauty standard thing. So first step is to impose women with a beauty standards that are unattainable, which will definitely rob, 
like at least a part of their self-confidence like it will be taken away from them and then the society presents them with a list of imperfections that they should work on in order to become beautiful but everyone knows they will not fully ever reach it that's what i feel like personally so like you know you grow up and you kind of learn about those beauty standards in not in a direct way obviously there is no one ever never no one is ever gonna come up to you and be like hey listen so this is the beauty standard and please fulfill it because you are obliged to no it's so it's such an underlying mess but it it's not that direct but it's very obvious like it's an underlying message under every almost every instagram post article movie tv shows books like it's everywhere throughout our our culture and it's inescapable literally um and yeah, yeah, like I, growing up, like, I just, you know, I feel like I just kept learning more and more about how, you know, the ideal body type looks, how the ideal beauty, beautiful woman looks, and then it's how insecurities for me appeared. And I think, it, obviously, I'm not the only one, like, I'm one of, you know, so many millions. By imposing the beauty standard, we literally just point out things that were not insecurities before, and we make them insecurities, we turn them into insecurities and then profit on them. But like, I'm gonna talk about like the marketing capitalism part of it a bit later. And another deeply setting part about like beauty standards and why they're so hurtful and why we should talk about it is that we do not only make women work for their beauty and like we make them, we give them these like checklists, like metaphorical checklists, right? But we also put them in race against each other that's what makes it so hard not to talk about but it's so hard to like abandon these beauty standards because technically we're all going through it like us women but i'm assuming most people listening to this podcast are women but if you're not then everyone is welcome of course i'm just addressing um my female audience right now since we are all going through like the same issue the same problem and the same struggles um, associated with the beauty myth technically creates like a ground for compassion and understanding and you know just coming together to fight it together but what is so smart and like vicious about the whole beauty thing is that we are put in a race against each other as well it's not only it's not only like we have a beauty standard to attain and it's like you know we're like fighting ourselves no we also have to fight each other have to as in like quote unquote of course um but yeah, it's it's as if beauty was this scarce resource that, you know, there's only like an X amount of beauty in the world. And like if you meet a girl who's in your head, like prettier than you, skinnier than you, taller than you, whatever, then it literally makes you feel uglier, like right away. And I know that I'm not the only one thinking like it, like someone else's beauty literally feels you, literally makes you feel like you are less pretty than you were before that person entered the room. A lot of it stems from the fact that we are taught to kind of compete for male um, attention as well. Like we are taught that beauty is our currency and like that's the most important and strong asset we have. So like if I say, I don't know, say men compete in terms of how much money can they make in a firm, I don't know, I don't really, you know, have have a good example for that. We are made to like compete in terms of looks like who's prettier who's prettier on that picture who's the prettiest out of a friend group like it's always that sort of like conversation like centered around looks rather than other qualities um and there's this quote from um it's it's a book i I mean it's a long essay but it's it's published as a book it's called we should all be feminists um another recommendation from me. You may recognize the quote as well from Beyonce's song Flawless, but basically the quote came from um, We Should All Be Feminists. And it goes like this. We raise girls to each other as competitors, not for jobs or for accomplishments, which I think could be a good thing, but for the attention of men. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, boys are taught to compete in terms of, you know, um, jobs and accomplishment, while women do have are being taught the same just in terms of looks, which is essentially much worse, because... It's just so sur- surface level. It's just, it's such a surface level thing that you literally do not really have control over. So now that I've clearly pointed out why the beauty myth, the beauty standard, it's so hurtful to us, let's now discuss even worse part, which is how the beauty standard is being actively used against women um, as a tool of oppression. Yay, we just, we love to see it, literally. First of all, a very, I think, an obvious and straightforward answer is 
sexism, like beauty, the concept of a beauty standard is very deeply rooted in sexism and it, it's very useful to keep the sexist institutions and behaviors and way of operating and intact, basically. I think what the beauty standard does is that it keeps women restrained and inferior to men. If we look at women in the past, we're like, we think like, oh, how, you know, how could they not realize that this is wrong? Like they were forced to be housewives. They were taught how to be a good wife. They had to raise children. They could not have career or get educated or read books. Like how could they not realize that, you know, such oppression was taking place? And we look, humans have in general, like have the tendency to um, like criticize history as if like history is a thing that just happened and is not still happening as we live through it, but it is, it actually, you know, we should realize that it is. And then you start to question the status quo that like, maybe we are actually not as liberalized like women as we thought we were. Because I think the beauty standard is first of all, much less obvious and second of all, mass, more like easy to cover up than um, the beauty, the feminine mystique, which I'm going to like talk about later, but basically, yeah, like forcing women to be housewives, etc. Like sexism as we think of it taking place in the past. The thing is, we're we live in we're living in this twenty first century, and we're still teaching girls all over the world that their looks will be the most important thing that they're gonna be judged upon. Um, whether that's and that relates to any area of life, whether that's like workplace, um, romantic interactions, social media. Everywhere you go, you you are taught or you learn by, you know, trial and error that you will be judged by your looks. It's it's like an undeniable fact, whether we like it or not. Um, and simultaneously, we praise men for being, you know, smart, hardworking, um, intelligent, persistent. It's not like we don't, we say that like girls cannot be that, but we just put it below beauty. Like beauty is the first, first thing that that generally comes up when it comes to judgment of females. I don't know if it fits into the place of the discussion we're at now, but I read this quote from this book as well, um, The Beauty Myth, that like, I think it's one of the quotes that resonated with me most in like this year probably, or like a long, long time. And it's that, I don't know if it's it. I don't know if I'm like saying it the right way because it's just like, I'm talking out of memory. It was like in terms of any like sexual romantic relation between a man and a woman, is that the man looks at the woman and the woman looks at the man looking at her. So basically she sees herself through men's eyes. That's why like a lot of women or girls, they just aspire to be the beauty standard that the men will accept and that the men will praise them for. Cause yeah, cause it's imposed on us that like there, this is a certain type that will be attractive, that is considered attractive and, you know, strive towards it and maybe you'll get lucky and maybe you'll get, um, you know, a man who will provide for you, etc. Maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm exaggerating right now, but in general, like, this quote just spoke to me so much. Like men look at women and women look at men looking at them. And I can relate to that. And it's not, you know, some people can take it the wrong way as if like we're self-centered and, you know, we don't care about the other person, but like, it's just, it's just what I'm trying to convey is that we are literally um, flooded with messaging about beauty being so, so, so important and like looks um, being so crucial in our judgment and the judgment and other people's judgment of us in our own judgment of ourselves, in our self-worth, self-value is literally inescapable once again. Um, in terms of sexism, again, it very much correlates to the workplace as well. Um, it's again being beauty is again being used as a tool against women as a tool to keep them constrained keep them you know not getting them promoted not putting women on high positions and not putting women not putting putting women in power they are still being discriminated in regards to their clothing and looks um this is a random fact but like think about like weather presenters and i've read a statistic i don't know how like i'm not going to give you specific numbers but it said that like they're like the overwhelming majority, something like around 90, 80% of weather presenters after 40 are male. Like it's all just men. And usually when you look at like, I don't know, I'm, I don't watch weather on the TV. I guess it's like a bit of an outdated thing right now, but it usually was like an older man and a young pretty girl or a pretty woman. Um, 
which just like speaks for itself, basically. There's another quote I would like to read to you. Um, Employers did not simply develop the beauty backlash because they wanted office decoration. It evolved out of fear. That fear, from the point of view of power structure, is firmly grounded. The beauty backlash is indeed absolutely necessary for the power structure's survival. Basically, the quote might have sounded a bit like complex. It basically says that discrimination based on beauty is essential to keep the power structure, so like keeping the patriarchy and male dominance and, you know, women being inferior to them in terms of like a working space. Yeah, there's no like doubt around the fact that gender gap is still a very, very prevalent issue among every society. We don't really have, we still don't really have that many women CEOs or in high power positions because they are often perceived as the highest threats to the gender hierarchy, basically. Um, men fear women, and that is an undeniable fact. Men fear that women becoming powerful, strong, liberalized will take their power away, and that's why they... I know it's a generalization, but that's essentially how they hate towards women, you know, how it's created, how it's generated, and why it stem what it stems for from and definitely a lot of it is linked to the beauty standards and like how why you know men has just found another factor to discriminate women women based on but like you know before it was you know the fact that you were a woman it was enough to discriminate you like you could just say like yeah women are like more stupid or women are less educated than men therefore we discriminate them but now you know we we have the second wave of feminism so we cannot use that argument so we shall say you're not pretty enough, you're not, you know, well-dressed enough, you're you're, uh, you're too ugly, or you're too pretty, you know, it works both ways, it's not like, it, it's so hypocritical, because like, even people who, even women who like, let's say, attain, or like, are close to attaining that stereotypical beauty standard, they they will be discriminated against, they will, people will say they're not, they can't be smart, because they're beautiful, like, you can either have looks, or, you know, brains, or they're gonna say that they only got the, to the position that they are in because of their looks, like beauty privilege, which I do not disagree that beauty privilege does exist, but, you know, it's, it's a thing that works both ways, generally. Now I'd like to move on to another part of this discussion that will focus more on beauty industry, advertisement, social media, marketing, all of that kind of stuff, which some could say is literally at the core of the beauty myth and it's this like the reason why it still is like being upholded and why so many people are just so desperate to keep its existence or keep it running i would say so naomi wolf brings up the idea that the beauty myth that i just described to you is just another replacement another form of the feminine mystique which i mentioned before it's feminine mystique is a book by betty frieden which was written or published in 1963 and it and it it is credited it is now nowadays it, it is being credited with sparking the beginning of second wave feminism in the United States and it generally relates to what i was saying like women being housewives um them being um prevented from get, obtaining education etc cetera, etc cetera. because what's so weird to me is like a lot of people think that because um we technically have the same rights that like sexism is over and like you know feminists have won like sweetie we are we are we are on the road but we're far from the the target basically so once again back to the beauty myth as i said it what it does so like smoothly it it will create literally not existing before insecurities like obviously we will probably have some insecurities like growing up say i don't know people like some people grow up with acne and that may be like a big insecurity with them or some people maybe i don't know like some girls are insecure about their height whatever this is like there are some insecurities that i guess mm, are uncommon but like nowadays it's becoming so crazy it's literally becoming crazy because the social media marketing um advertisement it it literally will make up things that will become your insecurities and a perfect example of that will be hip dips. Like, I don't know if you know what hip dips are. I literally do not know as well. I think it's just like, if you if you look at self in your mirror, like your hips are not perfectly round, but they have like this like dip in the center, which like, it literally does not, I do not care about it at all. But I remember when I learned about it because I, I don't know, I saw some like workout on like, you know, how to get rid of hip dips. And I was like, what, what are hip dips? So then I, and I had no clue, so then I stand up in front of the mirror 
sorry, there's like some constructions going outside. Then I stood in front of my mirror and I noticed that I guess I have them. Like I have this like irregularity on my, like the side of my hips. And I was like, my first thought was, okay, so should I like get rid of them? Like what workouts should I do to get rid of them? Like how to make them more full, whatever. And it's literally like, nowadays I literally don't care. Like I do not, do not care at all. But you know, the sole fact that like workouts are being created to quote unquote get rid of it or like, you know, erase it from your body. Like it's literally insane to me. Also like thigh gap, what even is this trend? And this one is one that I, f- I feel like I've given more that I've given in more to especially when I was younger like it was just a thing to have a thigh gap and everyone wanted one and I was like yes I need to have a thigh gap and my little my little self did not really think that like thigh gaps can literally be genetic like some people will just not get a thigh gap unless they literally starve and are underweight um and you can still be underweight and not have a thigh gap you know like there's there's literally so many possibilities and to impose the view that like you know thigh gap is the new you know thigh gap is the new standard like it's actually very very unrealistic and harmful as well yet another example kylie general lips like the whole trend of making your lips look bigger whether that's like through a filter and snapshot or instagram or through actual like surgery big part of it is just social media and quote-unquote role models who convey those images to us and then it's like the first stage like what i just described so like creating non-existing before insecurities and then marketing will do the next step of exploiting those insecurities like preying upon them they will find out a product that fixes that so be that lip fillers be that new cream spray mask whatever this is like whatever product workout fitness clothes um diet plan and they will make that product and sell it to us like they will bombard us with the product that will quote-unquote fix that insecurity or imperfection and a lot of these ads promote the idea and they have the narration that like beauty equals male attention and happiness and success which are things i already mentioned but you know like a lot of those um like advertisements is like women becoming like if it's a if it's a video say it's gonna be woman being ugly and feeling ugly herself and having insecurities then she i don't know takes this pill or puts on this cream brushes her hair with that brush and then we usually see her like walking away in a flowy dress, smiling with friends or with, you know, a guy by her side, obviously a model. It sells you the idea that if you buy the product, you will also get the things that come with. So like male attention, happiness, success, etc., etc. And it clearly, it, it sounds insane as I'm like explaining it to you. It sounds really like idea out of the blue, but it clearly works as like, Women's purchases account for around 80 to 90 percent of the estimated 500 billion dollar market for beauty products. So there's literally so many economic incentives for firms um, and businesses to like sustain, to uphold the beauty myth and like to still profit on it because mm, like getting rid of the beauty myth would really mean a loss of money, a loss of profit for these companies and you know, it's something that no one in the capitalistic world really wants. So they will rather, so they would rather you hate yourself and buy their cream than for you to love yourself and, you know, be happy with the way your skin looks naturally. Like this is literally what it comes down to. Yet another thing I would like to mention, it's not just even like beauty standard as in body type and skin, etc., etc. It's also age. Like, because obviously your looks, your appearance will change with age. That's like, a fact um we have developed this obsession in our society with young women we are consi- whenever we speak of a beautiful woman we consider her we automatically assume she's young right she's either in her teens or like early 20s when she was just 30 you know it's like she's kind of getting old and like after 30 unless she olds gracefully you know, the phrase to old gracefully. Unless she old gracefully, she's literally just like, you know, it's a da- it's downhill for her. So many women like are afraid of reaching like 30. Like literally the fact that women fear reaching an age and becoming older, it's so like, it's so sad because I feel like whenever, every every year we gain, like every year we become older by, like we just gain what we should be thinking 
of is like gaining new experiences, becoming more knowledgeable, educated, confident, um, you know, progressing in our career or education, starting a family, learning through mistakes and all of those stuff and not really, you know, your beauty being depreciating. Ageism is a thing and it's used, it's being used especially towards women. It's so hypocritical how it's again like related to sexism. Again, we tend to admire, praise men who are old and successful. Think of Daniel Craig or Pierce Brosnan, or whatever old men, old white men you will like pick. Um, we tend to praise them, right? For what they achieved in life, like how come they've, how, how far they've come, um, how smart they are. And yet women who are the same age are being ostracized. They're being marginalized and discriminated against based on their age. And they're literally, they're literally being discriminated based on a biological process called aging. Like, it's so disgusting and so disturbing. Like, actresses, how many times have you, like, heard people talking about Meryl Streep in terms of her age and, like, how old is she? And, like, in general, like, now that I think of it, so many... Whenever we see, like, whenever I see actresses in movies or, like, I'm watching movies with friends or it's, like, a cinema or an article... People mention the woman's age so much, like they ask how old is she and like they then they comment whether she looks her age or not. Like what is the problem with that? What is the issue with women getting wrinkles? Like we literally, it's literally like insane to me that this is what the like the beauty standard has come down to. And again, again, we put older women in competition against young women. So it becomes another platform, another parallel on which women can hate women so that they do not come together and rebel against men. Um, it, it all is very smart if you think about it. Like, like every part of this machine just works perfectly. Don't even get me like started on um, the obsession with being thin, skinny and eating disorders. There's a whole part of the book devoted to it and um, I could literally make an hour long or two hour long episode on eating disorders because I have so many opinions on it um but I never really thought much about it in terms of sexism um but generally what I got from the book and what I realized is that women are forced or like you know they're suggest they're being suggested to become skinny and lose weight all the time because in order to achieve and we we present women with the idea that in order to become attractive or compelling or beautiful, they need to be skinny. But because skinny, like modern day skinny, is literally so unattainable again for so many people because of genetics, body types, biology, whatever, um, metabolism, we literally force them to be hungry, empty, weak, fragile and thin and almost, what's so sickening, almost child looking. So like, you know, people like girls who fit into Brandy Melville clothes, like a lot of them are considered very pretty, attractive. They literally force you to have a childlike figure in order to fit there. Like you have to have very small straight legs. You have to be pretty tall. You have to be very, very tiny. Brandy, Mel even like Brandy Melville clothes, they literally like it's hard to wear them if you have big boobs as well. We are presented with a brand that is considered, you know, so like you know, their clothes are considered so nice and they're popular, well-regarded, etc. Yet the brand itself has such, like, poor messaging behind it and it, it's so harmful to all the girls that wanted, like, one day wanted to shop at Brandy but couldn't or wouldn't because they felt ugly because it gave them an eating disorder. Like, what's even worse is that not, not much is being done about this. The books present this picture of the world in which, it like, the roles are reversed. So, you know, it's men puking their guts out because they want to be skinny or they want to look good in, an, in a movie or on a red carpet or they're starving themselves to get a promotion at a job or to, you know, to be to be att attractive enough to their female partner. Like, it's literally, you read it and it sounds so irrational and surreal and yet they're literally the same thing exactly. Literally the same exact thing is happening, just um, genders reversed like every single day. Another quote from the book that describes it very well. Researchers Polyvi and Herman found that prolonged and periodic caloric restriction resulted in a distinctive personality whose traits are passivity, anxiety, and emotionality. 
It is those traits and not thinness for its own sake that the dominant culture wants to create in the private sense of self of recently liberated woman in order to cancel out the dangers of the liberation. It's not even about being thin in itself because there's like objectively there's nothing more attractive in a like a thin person is not in any way not more beautiful to a person who is who is more curvier who has more body weight it is just the image that we are portrayed with and again it's not even about being skinny it's literally just about conforming women making women conform to men and making them inferior making them weak and fragile and passive and condescending them now i would like to somehow maybe not even summarize i'm not gonna attempt to summarize what i said you can re-listen to the episode if you want to i feel like i've said so many things already but what the author like ends the book with i guess it's not a spoiler it's not it's a non-fiction books book she predicts or she hopes at least that there will be like a third wave feminism by which we all abandon beauty standards and start living an abundant happy fun life without without using these previous previous tools of oppression such as the beauty standard and using things as makeup or clothes against us, but we're gonna be using like in its them in in our own advantage. Because the thing is, I think I haven't underlined it enough. Like there is nothing wrong with feeling beautiful. You should feel beautiful if you feel like you like putting on colorful makeup. If you like wearing skirts. If you if you like wearing short skirts. If you like wearing oversized baggy jeans. Whatever it is that makes you feel you you makes you feel you and helps you express yourself. Like absolutely 100% go for it like I'm all here for it and I think that's what like it's like it's a very pure and positive thing to like consider yourself beautiful and to kind of do things to your appearance that will kind of help you exude that beauty and like feel a bit more confident but not to a like only to a certain extent because as soon as you start relying on like having makeup on or being a certain weight or um, having a certain hair color, whatever that is, like, as soon as you start being dependent on it, then it becomes, again, like, it becomes, it, it, you are using it against yourself and not in your own favor. And the quote I would like to finish the discussion with is this one. A woman wins by giving herself another woman a permission to eat, to be sexual, to age, to wear overalls, a pasta tiara, a Balenciaga gown, a secondhand Oprah cloak or combat boots, to cover up or to go practically naked, to do whatever we choose in following or ignoring our own aesthetic. A woman wins when she feels that what each woman does with her own body, unforced, uncoerced, is her own business. When when, when many individual women exempt themselves from the economy, it will, begin, it will begin to dissolve. Institutions, some men and some women, will continue to try to use women's appearance against us, but we won't bite. That quote kind of makes me hopeful. I mean, it's a very, like, uplifting quote and it's very empowering as well. I just felt, like, I felt... um how is it called? Shivers when I read it um, for the first time. At least what I'm trying to do right now is kind of un unwind those toxic parts. Well, first of all, like realize them because a lot of them, like I didn't even realize that much. As I've said, like this book made me, educated me on a lot of subjects I didn't really know about or like start, made me think about a lot of things I didn't before. Now I'm kind of on the stage of um, unwinding those patterns and unlearning them, which is obviously... I don't think it's impossible, but it's very, it's a very, very difficult job. I'm just trying not to, I'm just trying to notice them, first of all, and inform other people about it. And hopefully more and more people will make it a topic of discussion because we talk so much about the beauty standard or we talk about like body image, but I feel like we do not really look for justification for it or like we don't really consider the reasons behind it. And I think what this book does is it very much like, highlights them and brings them to your attention i really did not aim for this podcast to be just like a summary of the book i, I don't think it was it was a lot of just my own opinions that the book got me thinking about i know that i've just like barely touched upon a lot of subject and i there are a lot of other ones that i really haven't gone into into but you know it's a very 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 broad one that we could talk on for hours and hours so i hope it was long enough and informative enough to convince you to like get educated on that i guess that was my main reason or just to start you thinking i could not in any way make it um contain all the information i would like like to convey um but yeah if you're interested in the topic i encourage you i very much encourage you to get the book borrow it read it on kindle whatever and like you know start the discussion among your friends or your family um your significant other whoever that will be 
I really, really enjoyed making this episode. I don't know how to even like describe what I'm feeling right now. It feels very different from my first episode. I think the toxic productivity episode was much more centered around my like my own experiences. So on one hand, it was like easier to talk about in terms of like it was more intuitive. I was just speaking from my own firsthand experience. And obviously I do experience beauty, the beauty standards. Like I'm, I'm not talking about something I have no clue about because I am, well, a woman. But, you know, it's I'm talking about much bigger issues, something... I'm talking about, like, systematic oppression and feminism and those big ideas that I, you know, I'm not qualified to probably talk about. Well, not qualified. You, again, see, like, I tend to undermine myself so much. Whenever I, like, talk about anything, I feel like I need to pull disclaimer that, like, hey, guys, I talk about this because I feel passionate about it and I like talking about it and I research the topic, but I'm stupid enough not to know anything. So, like, don't, you know, don't blame me or, like, don't make me responsible for what I say. No. I researched the topic and I agree with what I said and I will not, and you know, it's those little things where you like, you like you condition yourself to apologize for stuff or you condition yourself to undermine yourself when you have opinions or when you like actually want to talk about a subject and no, like I will not back down. I'm just, I'm not screaming at you. I'm screaming at myself right now. Um, no disclaimers. <laughs> I take them all out back. Um, no, but like, you know, just take it with a grain of salt, whatever. Um, yeah, thank you very much for listening if you did. This episode meant a lot to me and um, I really, really feel passionate about scripting. This episode has brought me so much like joy. I mean, I literally woke up today because I started doing it yesterday. I woke up today like 7am and I started just like, it was the first thing that I did because I was just like, I crave to, I, I literally ache to make those podcast episodes like to discuss stuff like this. Um, so yeah, I'm hope, I hope you really liked this one, um, or if you felt like it was informative, and yeah, again, like, follow me at heartfeltpod on Instagram if you have something to say to me, if you have maybe any thoughts on the subject, maybe you want to comment on something, or you just have any ideas for future episodes, literally, again, whatever, and yeah, have a good day, and take care, bye-bye.